Well, good morning, LCM. Today is November 24th, 2019. Today is going to be a very, very special day. Uh, Here at LCM, we're going to have 15 families dedicating 17 babies. This is... uh, We are kind of church that takes it serious when the Lord said to be fruitful and multiply. So we said, okay, we like that part. So we're going to do that. We're going to get to celebrate this today. Celebrate this many lives coming into our church. I was looking in since 2015. If you include what we're going to do today and uh, all of the pregos that we do have. We're going to catch another one in the spring. For those of you who have not yet had your baby, don't worry. we'll We'll come back to this soon enough. 50 children that we have dedicated since 2015. 50. That's a, what a blessing. What an absolute blessing. What an incredibly joyful and thankful attitude that we should have today. We want to focus in on what the Lord has been telling us. Through the messages of fear not, increasing in his inheritance, through pursue it, it's not about what we intellectually assent to. It's about what we actually do. Everybody say the word do. Do. Action, doing, demonstrates that you understand something. So James 2.18, don't turn there. It declares that we show our faith by our deeds. We show our faith by what we actually do. Do turn with me to Philippians 4.9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And you see, Paul's covering here all the gates of sensory to gain understanding, right? Learn, received, heard, or seen in me, put into practice. We are heeding the call to put into practice what God has been telling us over and over and over again. One of the examples are stones, meaning the scripture cards, the three-by-five scripture cards, that you are to pray, interact with God's word. It comes alive. It speaks to your heart. It cuts your heart. It is to be written on a stone. And as you take that stone out of your pocket, out of your purse, wherever you may store it, and put it right inside of your face, you are to look at that stone and figure out what the Spirit is speaking to you of what to do, what to put into practice. If you only look at God's word of what to think better without actually doing something that's in alignment with his word, you're not putting into practice the living word that's been put before you. But we have some other very important things that we want to teach you guys about putting into practice today. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 30. Everybody going to Genesis chapter 30. We're going to start in verse 31. We want to tell you the title of today's sermon as you are turning to Genesis 30. The title of today's sermon is Father Strong, Follow Strong, and Finish Strong. Father Strong, Follow Strong, and Finish Strong. In Genesis chapter 30, we're going to look at verse 31. But let me give you a little context so you understand where we begin in the story. This is Laban speaking to Jacob, his father-in-law. Laban is speaking to Jacob. Jacob has worked faithfully for Laban for many years. He's getting close to the 20-year total that we're going to find out. You actually hear that 20-year total in the next chapter. So we're getting close to that time period. And Jacob now has a vision. He has an understanding that he wants to build his own family. See, he's already been having children that become the 12 tribes of Israel. But now he's looking to build his own household. 
He's looking to add to it that which the Lord may do. See, this relates to so many of us today. This relates as 15 families are about to dedicate 17 babies in this house. With another at least eight that I can think of off the top of my head who are pregnant in this house. Man! We are learning how to not just only have children, but we're learning how to build our household. Do you see how that's a different thing that we have going on here? This is not just about having children. This is about building what God has put for you to build throughout the generations. And look at, let's look at the, the verse 31 now. What shall I give you? Laban asked. I love Jacob's reply. Don't give me anything, Jacob says. See, when you have divine revelation, when you have divine impartation, when you have a divine direction, you don't need the gifts of others. You don't need the strengths of others. You don't need the generosity of men to be able to accomplish what you are to do. See, that kind of understanding says, I am never at a disadvantage. See, if you're waiting on someone to give you something, what is the implication? You are somehow lacking and you can't actually do what God told you to do. It's someone else's fault somewhere else that I don't have what I need. Jacob doesn't have that kind of idea uh, attitude because he's already heard from the heavens. He says, I know exactly what God wants me to do. I don't need you to give me anything. Mm. See, this is not self-sufficiency. This is God dependency. He's not saying I don't need anything ever. What he's saying is I trust my God to provide everything that I need. And as a matter of fact, the word tells us that we've already received what we need from the heavens. Look Look at this. I don't need you to give me anything. But if you will do this one thing for me. Somebody say do. Do. See, it's one thing to be given something. It's another thing... uh, to have something done. I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. See this idea. We want to be ready to do what God has said for us to do in this church. We want to be marked by being in a people who are incredibly talented at just trying to do what God has put before us. Not thinking about it, not worrying about our creeds as much as we worry about our deeds. Actually performing what God has put before us. Man, we all know so many people who sit around for 10, 20, 30 years saying that they're believers but have no fruit, but have nothing to show for it, and they've been very, very comfortable of knowing something but not doing it. See, this is not the attitude that you get in Jacob. See, if you're going to do this for me, I'm going to go on and work. I'm going to keep working for you. See, I'm going to show you that I'm going to take what is given to me and take full responsibility. I'm going to take action. I'm not waiting for a handout. I'm going to keep working for you. Mm. Verse 32. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. You hear the attitude that Jacob had? He says, I'm going to keep working, but I am asking for the things that seem lesser, lesser in value, less desired, something completely opposite of a selfish, carnal, worldly point of view. Because if he was a a real businessman, he'd be asking for the best of the flock, right? Those with the most strength, those with the most fertility. But instead, he asked for the ones that Laban didn't want. He had a heavenly perspective. And that heavenly, heavenly perspective is when we are asking for the things with distinctive markers. Say the word distinctive. Distinctive. Distinctive markers, distinctive signs or characteristics that will eventually prove that we are building a household, something altogether entirely distinct from the world that surrounds us. The world sees our way of life, a way of life here at LCM as something that's 
speckled. Something that's spotted, almost like a black sheep within the family. Actually, I, I, I was the darkest one in my whole family, so it fits in that regard. But in all intents and purposes, it's something seen as blemished. Well, this reminds me of 1 Corinthians 4.11, where Paul goes on to say about all of his hardships, all of his trials, and that the whole point is that up to that moment, he had become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Because he was being obedient to be thereby distinct from the worldly pattern. See, our worldly pattern says we shouldn't suffer, Pastor. We shouldn't have to struggle. We shouldn't have to go through trials. That the whole point of living in America is to achieve the American dream. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And everything that you can fit within a 10 by 20 storage room. Multiple times. To store up for ourselves wealth and riches and comfort. But Paul's life demonstrated something completely different. It was an abandoning of everything that this world says that we should possess. So that he could obtain a heavenly perspective that made him distinct, royal in God's eyes, blemished in the world's eyes. It's kind of like going through Hebrews 11. Because the truth is, when we take up the way of life that God has for us that makes us distinct, we're not blemished. Like Hebrews 11 The world was not worthy of them. That we stand as one that has been approved by God. His favor rests upon and it will prove genuine and true. Mm -hmm. In this story of Jacob interacting with Laban, later on in, in chapter 31, he recounts a dream that God had given him, that God had given Jacob. God gave Jacob the revelation of how to interact with Laban. What to ask for. He asked for the spotted, speckled. And thereby had that right order between he and God so that he could implement right order between he and Laban. This was the same moment when he anointed a pillar and where Jacob made a vow before God. Oh man, how many times do we make vows and don't follow through with it? It'd be something as simple as what time I'm going to meet you at the restaurant. Or how more importantly, vows we take as parents to raise our children to be distinct. That any deviation from the pattern that God has already laid out from the entirety of his word is to deviate from his character, his reputation, from his name, and to deviate from the vow that we've made before God to be parents. For the parents who are here in this room today, we're going to ask that you make vows. We're going to charge you with certain things at the end of this service. The reason that pastor's going into this now is we're not doing this as an obligation, as some trinket for you. We actually want you to be serious because what you've been given is from the heavens. And so the vows that you make, God takes very seriously. You're not allowed to get out of a vow. That's why we're supposed to be very serious before we make the vow. Because once you've made it, you can't move from it. Yeah. See, this is what we're trying to find, what we're trying to build. Look at verse 33. And my honesty will testify for me in the future. Somebody say honesty. Honesty. Whenever you check on the wages you've paid me, any goat in my possession that's not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored, anyone that's not the black sheep of the family, will be considered stolen. See, what we're doing is we're putting our honesty, integrity on the line at LCM. We're saying that the way of life that we have, what we are putting before you, you're going to get to see if our life, if our children, if what we're producing actually makes it to the standard. 
See, if what we're producing looks like everyone else, then you'll know that we're lying about what we're telling you today. Yeah, that's a good word. We'll prove it. Take a look at our children. Take a look at our families. This is what we do. <laughs> you guys know us because we're family. This is, we're not a sage on a stage. We are your family and you get yeah. to see. You get to see if what we're doing, you get to see the honesty, the veracity of the discipleship way of life. You get to see if it looks like the world or if it looks like something entirely different. It's something that the world would despise, but you know that we're doing something different here. This discipleship in our homes is supposed to make this same type of marked product is what we expect you to be. That others view discipleship as some foreign, broken, ridiculous, speckled process. See, you thought dark sheep of the family came as a modern colloquialism. It was in the verse that we just read a minute ago. But we have a vision given to us from the heavens. And we know that God is on our side and is using this process to increase our families. Thus, the 50 babies that we will dedicate. Right? The the 17 today and a total of 50. He wants to increase our families, our household, and our very future. Any other outcome from our decision to build our household in this manner is going to be obvious. Somebody say obvious. Obvious. If we don't produce children who are godly, everyone is going to be able to see it. There's a passage in Proverbs 22 that says to train a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart. Many people in our day and time use that verse to say that after your kid has gone off and done something wrong, after they've begun to sow their wild oats, at some point you're hoping that maybe they'll come back to what you did. That's not what the verse says. It says if you train them right, they will be more powerful than you. They will be more anointed than you. They will be more godly than you. Not that if they leave, hopefully they'll come back maybe, and we're hoping that the verse tells us that. See, it's going to be obvious. There's no way around the honesty, the integrity of what we're saying to you. Our integrity and our honesty is at stake here today of the way of life that we're preaching to you about. Oh, Pastor, as, uh, as men of God in this house, we have a responsibility. A responsibility in our own lives to walk in integrity and honesty. And that integrity and honesty would then overflow into our wives and then into our children. One term comes to mind when we're, when we're talking about integrity and honesty and the generations that come after us are PKs. A lot of you guys have grown up around church. You know what a PK is. It's a pastor's kid, right? And it's usually, or it is a negatively associated term. Realize that what we are all collectively in this house doing is that we are going to go against the grain that has defined what PKs are. They're going to raise up godly children, and that's a weight upon our shoulders. It's a heavy responsibility that, like Babe Ruth, we're calling the shot before the pitch has ever been thrown. I'm going to put it right there. Why? Because I stand confidently, we stand confidently, that God has given us a revelation through his word of a way of life that works, it's successful, and no matter where we plant our feet on this planet, this same way of life produces the same godly and righteous fruit. Amen. Everybody turn to Isaiah 22, and we'll start in verse 20. In that day, I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe. Say clothe. Clothe. Clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand him your authority. Say authority. Authority. Hand your authority over to him. Elikim was being 
clothed with righteous deeds. We see that consistently throughout the word, the way that that pairs up. He was being fashioned with a sash or a belt of truth. And he was being handed the authority of heavens to lead the household of Israel. See, God's very faithful that if he has called you to something, he's going to equip you to fulfill that call. Oh, what that must have been like for Eliakim. To have that robe of righteousness adorn him. To have that belt of truth secure him. To have the authority of God within his hands to lead not just any nation, but the very nation of Israel. His chosen nation. Well, it continues in the verse, He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The result of this process of being clothed, of being garnished with a sash and the authority, is that you become a father. Right? You become one who is equipped by God to lead the household of God that he's given you. Not just a dad. A dad's kind of a very friendly term. Dads make sure that kids don't die on their watch. Dads make sure that money's in the bank account to buy groceries. Dad picks them up from, you know, being babysat and brings them back home and puts them in mom's arms. Fathers, however... Fathers are clothed in righteousness at all times, sharing that righteousness with their children. Fathers walk around with integrity and honor as a sash of truth around their waist that that holds up anything that would result in naked exposure and vulnerability. Fathers walk around with uh, the authority of God by the sword of his spirit, the word in their hands, and applying it to their hearts, their wives' hearts, and their children's hearts at all times. Here's a phrase that I want, that we want to stick inside the center of your being. Fathering strong is not the problem. Fathering strong is not the problem. It is the solution. A man of God within his household that leads with the righteous deeds, with the truth of God's word and the authority that God has put on his shoulders, that is the solution. Fathering strong is not the problem. It is the solution. See, here's what we mean by that. There's so many here in this, in this house today. And what you're worried about, husbands, is that if you lead your wife too strong, she may revolt. She may rebel. She may not take it well. She may get so nervous that she can't do what it was that you... you may, maybe if I put too much pressure on her, she's not going to succeed. See, fathering strong, being a strong husband, is the solution to the home. It is what helps your wife to be more capable. It's what your, it was, it's what helps your kids to be more able. It drives fear away. It doesn't create fear. It fixes fear. Fathering strong is not the problem. It's the solution to every problem that you have inside of your household. Ladies, let me address you for just a second. See, you wish that your husband might be a little bit more temperate and a little bit kinder when he says something to you. See, him fathering strong and leading strong in the home is not a problem. It may expose your heart and your problems, but if he doesn't, then the problem is is that you will continue to get worse and worse. It actually makes you less capable, not more capable. You may be asking for a husband that doesn't really hold to what he said, that doesn't have the belt of truth, but a strong husband, a strong father is not the problem. It's the solution in your home. We're going to keep saying this because I know my church. Yeah. We know our church. And this will fix 
every problem that you have by a father who is strong. This is not a problem. Look at verse 22. I will place on his shoulder. Whose shoulder? His shoulder. This kind of guy like Eliakim who can father strong. Listen to what he's going to put. The key to the house of David. And you might think that it's actually talking about King David. You might think that he's talking about Jesus Christ himself. But he's talking about the kind of man who will father strong. What he opens. Who? The man who fathers strong. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. Wow, husbands, how many times have you opened up an idea, opened up a direction that got shut down by your wife? They got shut down by the circumstances. Well, it, that was a lot harder than I thought. I guess I'll just back up from it. As you step forward into it, you become the kind of man that you need to be. You become the kind of leader that you've always wanted to be. You become the kind of man that is just like Eliakim, who can have the key to the house of David upon your shoulders. Man, when you walk in this way, a strong father with clear direction, yoked to the Bible way of life, full of his truth, walking with the word in the hand like a sword of the spirit, you're able to make decisions and have actions that no one will refute. It's not because you're always right. It's because the Lord begins to work on your behalf and make yes. things happen. Yes. Man, I'm, we're going to go this direction. Lord, I hope this is right. Here I am. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to father strong. And you know what happens? The Lord will say, fine, I'll help you to get where you need to get. Yeah. See, it's not weakness that we need. You don't need to be more kind. You need to be stronger. Are you saying not to be kind? I'm saying to be stronger. You think about that however you want to think about it. Step up in strength because fathering strong is not the problem. It's the solution. Amen. Verse 23. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. This is something that's established, right? I've had the opportunity to set up a few outdoor tents in various locations. One right back out here in, the, in that field. That was easy. It's clay. It was soft. It had rained a couple of days. Oh, but this reminds me of being in Mexico and setting up a tent in Caliche. Not the town. That's the material on the ground. It's this finely crushed gravel that took us hours to lay down pegs. And I can, t- can I tell you, it was equally as hard to remove those pegs. But what they served as was something that was a fixed reference point. A fixed reference point that the entire tent, the house could be established by attaching to. That when you are a man of God that is establishing shalom in your home, it makes your life now just as stable, reliable, trustworthy, honorable as that firmly embedded peg driven into the ground by the king of kings. Men, we're hammering you today. We're hammering you to Father Strong because we want you to be a fixed reference point for the entirety of your household to add security, stability, integrity, and honesty. As we continue in the verse, he will be a seat of honor for the house of his father. The reason that Eliakim, the reason that you will be a seat of honor and have all the glory of your family hanging on you is because God's right Order is found first in fathering strong. We have to start with the heads of the families. Just think about your work situation. Do you respect the boss who is mealy mouth, kind, and never confronts or addresses issues that establish right order in the workplace? No, you actually resent and hate him more. 
within households. Wives, you are craving for a husband who will lead you well. You're craving for a man of God, that man of God, to be fathering strong so it gives clear direction and expectation of what to fill. Every woman in the room should have been saying amen to that. Ladies, not, not just at? Susie. Not just Susie. Come on. <laughs> All the glory of his family will hang on him. It's offspring and offshoots. You know, Eliakim is now able to make every member of his family just as stable, reliable, and trustworthy and driven as he was. Yeah. That he had the ability to gain the honor by having the glory of God hang upon him for his whole family. His offspring, his offshoots. Because fathering strong is not the problem. Fathering strong is the solution that God has ordained to begin shalom in a home. Man, sometimes we're worried about the quality of our family so we don't father strong. This is the very way to get the quality. Did you hear what it said? That Eliakim was going to be made a father, but the honor of his father's household would be upon him. Yeah. See, when you do this right, it does fix the family. It actually leaves a legacy that's worth leaving. It actually improves each generation where you are not the greatest and it degrades over time. You are now the less, the least amount, and you push forward your generations and they become greater and greater. But you know what happens when you do that? The honor comes back towards you because yeah. they went, wow, what kind of man can create this kind of family? Yeah. They can even outdo him. Wow, there's something special in the honoring of someone who can do that. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 1. Somebody say, fathering strong. fathering strong. Come on, more of you say, fathering strong. Fathering strong. Daniel 1 and 8. Daniel 1 8 says this, but Daniel resolved. Somebody say resolved. Resolved. Man, I love that word. Don't you love that word, David Hall? Man, I love that word. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. See, now we've talked about fathering strong, but we're going to watch somebody who learns how to follow strong. Say follow strong. Follow strong. See, by following strong, by following the deep convictions and revelations that the Lord has given him, Daniel made himself distinct, not defiled. Oh, that's a good See, point. you're either going to be distinct or you're going to be defiled. You're going to be, you have to work to be spotted and speckled and streaked, distinct, unique, marked, because you are following strong the ways of the Lord. Mm. Let's look at verse 9, how this continues. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. You think that might be a blessing, right? Look what this favor and sympathy from the official brought to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Was he genuinely concerned about Daniel? Who was he concerned about? Himself. But his own selfish ambition first presented itself with favor and sympathy just kind of being kind i'm looking out for you daniel making sure you're taken care of and ultimately this is on selfish ambition in this official it shows the fear of those who have not engaged in the lord's prescribed way those who have not fully committed 
to the deep convictions that come from following God's word. Daniel had some substance to stand on. He had some intestinal fortitude to stand up to the king of the world of the, the, the known day and age. So this official had no sway over him because he already possessed deep convictions that come from revelation of who God is. If you find yourself being easily swayed by the kindness and sympathy of others, just having your benefit in mind, but really their own selfish benefit, and you compromise God's standard for your life, you're not following strong. You're not following the deep convictions of God's word strong. We got to be joyfully immovable. You know, men like these officials are always afraid that those who follow strong in the ways of the Lord will be at a disadvantage. And let's reflect back on just our culture, our way of life here. Somehow, their kids will lack, right? There'll be a deficiency in what your children experience. Everything like, you know, the social development. We heard a lot about this when we started homeschooling our kids. I, I came from Louisiana where education uh, is so much better than Mississippi. <laughs> I don't know if you're from Mississippi or not, but still, uh, it's just a kindly joke. It's better to be 49th than it is 50th, right? <laughs> and when we moved to Texas, fantastic. Texas has impeccable schools. And we put our kids within the elementary school two blocks from our house. A blessing. We got to know the community, the culture, engage our way of life with their lives. But there came a point when I began to see my child's heart drift. That the Lord was calling me and my family into even greater levels of ministry, commitment, and time. And we were constantly in conflict with the schedule and the way of life that was being cultivated at the school. That the Lord was telling me to be distinct, spotted, speckled. And as that became into greater conflict, we had to make a choice. Either I was going to redirect my entire family, my children's future, into my way of life, or I was going to direct my future into their way of life. And we had the resolve, like Daniel, to say, I am going to stand upon the convictions and direction that the Lord is leading me. And as the father of my household, I'm going to father my children strong. I'm going to enable my wife to follow strong. Enable my children to follow strong. I saw my oldest daughter's heart begin to drift away from us and attach to one friend at school and disconnect from her entire family. Always quiet, sullen, and in the corner, willing to be by herself and didn't want to be with anybody else. Truth be told, what rose up inside of me was, hell no. H-E double hockey sticks. I am not going to go out and win the entire world for Jesus and lose the first ministry that's underneath my roof. So I'm willing, I was willing, I still am willing, for people to look at our way of life and say, your kids are going to grow to be socially uh, impeded and kind of in the beginning a few of my kids were but we've developed past that in the name of Jesus that what God has given us is a community where every time we get together it's more like cousins hanging out than it is just friends 
you know what that spared me? That spared the, the, the push from the worldly uh, ambition that I needed to have my kids experience the way of life that I experienced before Jesus. It's just all fun and games. It's, you know, let, let's aim the ambition that they should all go to prom. Let's all aim the ambition that this way of life that we know as adults has been tragic in so many people's lives. That they lost their, their purity. That they're, they've lost their childlike sensitivity because they were put in a position to be on their own desire and devices without oversight. Come on, in pastor preaching to us today. The truth is, is this is not just from without. Sometimes when you're about to get ready to homeschool, what are you worried about? You're worried that your kids aren't going to be academically developed enough. You're worried about social. These are all the fears that sound like the official in Daniel's day, not like one who has learned to follow the word of the Lord strong. Yeah. When you are standing in it, we don't need to celebrate worldliness. Really, our kids are missing something because they don't go to a prom. That's the biggest concern that you have, where they can go and become sexually active at the wrong time with the wrong people for the wrong reasons. That's what we're missing. Yes, I'll take some of that, please. I will miss on those things to do this. I actually spoke with Teresa Vincent. Well, we were speaking with Brent and Teresa on Friday. This is what Teresa shared with us. In a certain town there in Indonesia, on the opposite side of the world from us, There's a group uh, that has the most Americans in any city in that region. So what they did was all the Americans pulled together, have literally a walled-off compound that they all live within. They have nice little green grass playgrounds. They have their own little ice cream shot. They have their own little world because they're living there, but they want to still be here. Well, then just go back and live here then. But what they're trying to do is do it there. So what happened is Teresa is sitting at at the playground. Her kids are playing, and what she sees is two children screaming at each other, Americans speaking English, yelling at each other, but obviously gets their attention because they don't hear much English. Then she hears someone driving by in the car with the windows rolled down and a, and a child, a son yelling at his father, I hate you. I will not do that. I don't want to. I hate you. Driving by, these people are fighting and it was like the Lord dropped Teresa right in the middle of a chaotic scene. But in English, feeling very American in the middle of Indonesia. Here's what uh, Teresa said to me. Organic oats and cultured yogurt, green grassy playgrounds and fresh clean air will not give my kids a long, healthy life. The scripture says, children, obey your parents so that it may go well with you and that you will have a long life. See, what Teresa understood in that moment Man, you don't think that there are fears on a mission field? You don't think that there are thoughts that you're having? Man, maybe my kids are missing out on something. Maybe my kids won't have what they need because we're choosing a godly way. What about the children? It's all about the children, man. You see, if you decide to follow strong, your kids will not be at a disadvantage. Never. They will never be at a disadvantage because following the word of the Lord, following strong is not a problem. It's the solution. Yeah. Look at verse 11. Daniel Then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Who are those other three guys? We know them by their worldly names. The names that the world was trying to give them. Shadrach, Meshach. Um. And one bad Negro. This is... 
Y'all heard it in your head anyway, so I might as well just say it. See, this is Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah. See, this isn't just a single person. When you follow strong, it's not just about you. Parents, it's not about you. It's about those who are following you as well. Everyone who follows in the ways of the Lord can have the exact same results. You can let your fear die because you will get the same result. By the way, these three other men were the ones thrown in the fire. What if it took Daniel following strong for them to learn how to follow strong? What if it was Daniel's desire, determination, resolve not to be defiled by doing it the rest of the way that everyone else was doing it that allowed those men to stand up and be willing to throw in the fire instead of bow down like everybody else? What if this is exactly what produced it in these three men? Man, this is incredible. Look at the next verse. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Man, that must have been the Lord because that would not be the diet that I would choose. It was a test. A test. I'm just saying. It was a miracle. It was God. Okay. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Man, what a boldness. So he agreed and tested them for 10 days. This is the heart of what God is saying to us today. And through our discipleship process, test us. You either like the lives that you see before you or you don't. You either like the fruit that we produce or you don't. You either like our children and what they're able to do or you don't. It's on display. Go ahead and test us. Test us for 10 days. Come check us out for a few months. Come get a part of this lifestyle and see if you don't start getting the same results that we do. See, this is test us, Lord. Help us to be able to implement what you are showing us and then give us the direction that we need so that we can follow strong. Every family in this church. See, let's move it beyond the people you're seeing on the stage. What about you? See, if you are fathering strong men, if you are following strong women and children, you know what's going to happen? Exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. You don't even have to question it. You don't even have to doubt it. Don't be like the official. Be like Daniel. Amen? Verse 15. At the end. Everybody say end. End. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. You know the attitude that this has? At the end of the 10 days, they looked even healthier. Don't gloat over me, my enemy. Though I've fallen seven times, yet I will rise. Don't measure me by the, don't measure the success of my parenting at the one-year-old's birthday party. Right? (laughs) That's not the end. (laughs) That's not the end. Don't measure my success of parenting how my children behave at the table of a Thanksgiving Day meal. But what I can tell you is that at a future time, measure me at the end of 10 days of testing. And you will see that my sons, my daughters will be healthier, better, and more godly than anybody else around them. That 10 years from now, what will our children look like? We are raising adults. We're not just raising children. The kind that are able to start a family at the age of 18 or 19. In a day and age where children, children are still living with their parents at the age of 30 or more. 
Why are we fathering strong, demanding that our households follow strong? It's because we want to fully develop adults in the house. You know, they're able to hold a job for more than just six months. And able to radiantly reflect the glory of God that hangs on our households. Even better yet, their children will be even better than them because they will have only known the speckled, spotted, distinct ways of following strong. Because following strong is not the problem. Following strong is the solution. Let's look at verse 18. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter. Somebody say every. Every. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Somebody say ten times better. Ten times better. See, that's exactly what we're producing in this house. We're going to produce generations that are ten times better than anyone else around them because we follow strong the ways of the Lord. Because following strong is not the problem. It's the solution. Mm. Go to Luke 19. We'll start in verse 11. Verse 11. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. There's some parallels here, right? Jesus is addressing their expectation of fulfillment of promises to happen all at once. Well, Jacob, his household, his fruitfulness didn't appear all at once. He had to trust the Lord and continue in the daily discipleship that transformed unwanted speckled and spotted herds into something that had a divine distinction. Eliakim, his fathering strong didn't appear all at once. He had to trust the Lord by walking in a clothing of righteousness, a belt of truth in the authority that God put in his hands. Fathers, you want to be able to father strong? Yes. Daily implement it. Don't expect it to happen all at once. Well, I try to lead my household with authority. I try to lead my household with righteousness and, you know, truthful deeds. But I I did it for three days and it's not really working, Pastor. You're expecting to happen all at once. We've been playing video games too much of our lives, right? You spend an hour and you've, you know, beat the game and now you're a champion. The kingdom of God is not like that. It's a daily and lifetime pursuit. Daniel, his following strong didn't appear all at once. He had to trust through the Lord through Uh, trial after trial after trial, demonstrating a consistency to hold to the pattern of fathering strong, following strong, and finishing strong. Mm. The question is, what about you today? And if you have the the question in your mind, Pastor, are you preaching to me and about me? Yes. Yes, I'm talking precisely to you. Do you expect to pray for a few days? 
read the word consistently for maybe six or seven days. And then all of a sudden have the kingdom of God appear to you all at once in your midst. We want revival in our household. We want shalom in our household. I want to see my kids transformed into the image of God. And I only put forth a couple days effort. Now I'm disappointed. I don't see the fruit of it. See, fathering strong, following strong is a long-term lifetime commitment. It's a long-term and lifetime commitment. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, pastor's preaching to me today. Verse 12, he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. I wonder who this is trying to give us an idea about. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. 10 servants with one mina apiece. 10 people given the exact same responsibility. See, it doesn't matter if you have one child, if you have a van full of children. You have the same responsibility. For those of you who yet to have children, yet to be married, you've been given the same responsibility if you're a servant of this king. You've been given something and must prove faithful in doing it. See, you've got to father strong and follow strong, but look what it says next. Put this money to work. Somebody say, you better work. He said, you've got to work until I come back. See, keeping your kids alive is not putting this money to work. (laughs) Just handing a dirty child back to your wife, not doing the work. See, the job isn't done. Oh, dang. That just, ooh. Oh. Mm -hmm. I'm preaching to you. It hurt. It hurt. Yeah, y'all didn't like that one. I got you. You're welcome. I'm going after you. That's true. That's what the hose was meant for. That's why, that's why God made the water hose. The job isn't done. (laughs) See, when the word of God tells us you better put this money to work until the king gets back. Yeah. See, he, what he's saying to us is you better finish strong. Yeah. See, you can't just do this for a little while. See, when pastor's saying that you can agree to it. What you should be doing is thinking of all the people in this room, our people, our church members who start something and get discouraged after an incredibly short amount of time and you give up on what the Lord told you to do. He told you that you need to press in and you pressed in for a whole week. Man, a whole three services in a row. You were killing it. And then you fade somewhere into the background, into the defiled nature of the world around you. See what this parable is teaching us is you better finish strong. You got to just keep going. You will receive a harvest if you just don't faint. If you just don't stop. If you keep going and finish strong, you will reap the wages that God has intended for you to. Come on, let's look at verse 14. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Now, this is a bit of an interesting development because the book of Matthew doesn't mention the response of the subjects. It only speaks of the servants. And notice the attitude of the subjects. They don't want him to be their king because they don't want him to tell them what to do, especially how to do it. Yeah. Which one is your heart? Are you aligning yourself close enough to the king of kings to be a subject or are you pressing in to actually be a servant of his house? Wow. The subjects here are people who hate strong leadership, who hate fathering strong. That's a good word. Because 
when you hate fathering strong and strong leadership, you're actually a king to yourself. The subjects wanted all the benefits of the king's rule, but wanted none of his authority or direction. Wow. We just need dad to go to work and bring home a paycheck. We'll take care of the rest. <laughs> they were not willing to follow strong. They hate a king who has charged them with the task of finishing strong. So they hated fathering strong. They hated following strong. And they hated being demanded of to finish strong. Finishing strong is not the problem. Finishing strong is the solution. Look at verse 15. This man was made king anyway. He was made king, however, and he returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. See, people's hatred, people's preferences, or their own wicked thoughts have absolutely no bearing on our great king or his kingdom. See, you don't need a popularity poll when you're actually going towards the kingdom. I don't need to poll my family. I don't need to find out the latest Gallup poll to see what the, the, the temperature of those around me is because I serve the kind of king that he's going to be king anyway. It doesn't matter whether you hate him or love him. It matters to you, but it doesn't matter to him as far as him achieving what he's supposed to. Look at verse 16. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, he, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy, because you've been wearing a sash of truth, yeah. clothed and adorned with righteousness, walking in my authority yeah. in a very small matter. I just gave you one and you produce 10. Take charge of 10 cities. Mm. Wow. The man got a tenfold return on his investment. Tenfold. Wow. Just like See, what they did was they committed themselves and they were able to finish strong. And this guy, this servant of the great king said, I can produce 10 times what I was given. You give it to me. I'll be faithful with it. I will finish strong and I will get 10 times the reward. Verse 18 says, the second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. <laughs> Starting from the same place, giving just one mina, the same humble beginnings, spotted and speckled sheep. This servant produced a five-fold return and was rewarded according to what he produced, what he was originally given. Look at verse 20. Then another servant came in. Sir, here is your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. Wow. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. Wow. This servant had his gifts wrapped in cloth, safely bundled, swaddled, and absolutely good for nothing. Man, Bring it home, I really do. I, I love babies. I love when they get done with their little nap and they wake up and they're all just happy. They're smiling. They're sweet. Like little angels. And you, you wrap them up and you swaddle them. Our problem is, is that we continue to do that to our kids long after they should have already been put to work. See, the problem isn't loving on your kids. Man, swaddle them. But you're not raising a child. You're not raising an infant. You're raising an adult who must be part of what you produce in the kingdom. Yeah. See, we forget about that. At what age should you do that? Yes, immediately. Man, love them. Take good care of them. Wake up in the morning and just snuggle. That is such a fantastic thing. But if you're doing that to a 10-year-old, 
as much as you did for an infant. If you're doing that to it now, what about 15? Now we're just getting into the awkward range here. So I can, I can imagine, you know, Wade walking around holding Olivia right now on her hip, on his hip. Come on, Olivia. Carrying her in a, a child carrier like this. He's strong enough to do it. He's got it. <laughs> See, finishing strong is about receiving an infant and transforming them into a man or a woman of God. Yeah. Full of God's powerful spirit. See, we can't keep our kids bundled up and swaddled in childish behavior. Because that will make them good for nothing. Yeah. You know, while we were studying, something jumped out to me about the word cloth. What was used to cover the one mina. The Greek definition for this can mean two things. It can mean a sweat cloth or a grave cloth that you wrap around the face of a body that you're going to bury. So you took the one mina and you put a sweat cloth around it in this regards. You cannot fail to finish strong because you have chosen safety, security, and the softness of a gentle life. One that is an ease and absence of work. Instead of finishing strong with an attitude that demands a return on the investment given by our great and powerful king. In light of the grave cloth that wrapped around the face, this servant let passivity permeate. Fear dominate and accusation towards the king overwhelmed the entirety of his life while the king was away. He buried it and therefore was putting to death his responsibility to be productive. Man, what a good job pastor just did right there. When you are wrapping up your gifts to try to stay away from the work or letting fear dominate, passivity permeate, and accusations fly. Yeah. Wow. Let's continue on verse 22. Let's see what the master thinks about that. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words. You wicked servant. Why does the Lord judge us by our words? Because our words are a reflection of our heart. And our words, when they're a reflection of our heart, are actually a reflection of our actions. What we have actually done. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man? You knew that, huh? That's what you said. You think I'm a hard man? You knew that and still didn't do anything about it. Taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you at least put my money on deposit? Why didn't you at least find someone else who can do something with your gifts and do something with it? So when I come back, I could have collected it with interest. What words have you uttered, church? What words have you uttered in the quietness of your own thought? in the privacy of your own bedroom that our great king may judge you on? What if it's this question? Why haven't you done enough with what I gave you? See, we've all been given the same responsibility. He's going to judge us according to what we do. Continues in verse 24. Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has 10. They could have said, it's not fair. That's not fair. It's not fair that you buried the very thing that you were entrusted with and didn't bring a return to the king. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. Yeah. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. 
See, whoever has been faithful to finish strong will become even stronger. You're either a servant dedicated to the distinct discipleship that helps you finish strong, or you become a subject, thereby an enemy worthy of not only separation from the king, but also worthy of death. Man, we have two more verses before we turn our attention completely to the kids here and to the families that we want to have dedicated. But what you should be hearing is that fathering strong, following strong, and finishing strong are not the problem. The reason I keep hammering that is because at this church, everyone looks at us and thinks that our men are too manly. Our women are demanded of that they follow well and that we're expected that you will go to the generations. It's not about you. It's about the generations and what you are actually producing. See, people look at us and see a problem. I'm telling you that scripturally we're the solution, that the scripture is the solution that we are living out. It's not the problem. One of our last two verses, I want everybody to turn to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. You can like this word, you can not like this word, but if you live this word, you'll see that we're absolutely correct. We have the affirmation of the heavens that if we father strong, follow strong, and finish strong, your families will be something that other people will envy because of the character and quality of what you're producing. Revelation chapter 1, chapter 12 and verse 1. Are you there? A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman. Somebody say a woman. woman. Clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Man, a great and wondrous sign can appear from the heavens in your life. A great and wondrous thing that can come. That when you father strong, Husbands, when you take the lead, men, if you're not yet married, then what you should be hearing is this must be what I am shooting for. Man, what am I doing in my life as a single man to get ready to father strong, to get ready to lead strong, to have a life that is so strong that someone can get added to it and it be a blessing to both me and to them. Everybody in the room needs to understand that when we're saying fathering strong, it means that you men, you step up and you lead. Quit being cowards. Whether it's in your own home or by yourself, quit being a coward. Step up and be a man. Amen. That is a great and wondrous sign in our day and age that wants to make everyone as effeminate as possible. We want to take the men and make them less manly. We want to take the women and make them more manly. What the heck are we doing? It is the opposite of what the scripture teaches us. See, being a real man is not a problem. It's the solution to what Amen. you need. See, when you father strong, ladies, when you learn to follow strong, boy, what an insulting thought in our day and time, but what a righteous action that you can do. The idea that you will follow strong, you won't lose who you are, you will be made into what you always should have been. Yes. You can conquer the fears that are dominating every other woman around you. You can stand strong and say, I know, I can trust in my husband. He said it, I'll follow it, and it will cause God to be pleased with me. When you father strong, when you follow strong, 
You are determined. You can become determined to finish strong. It's not about you starting the fight. It's about you finishing the fight. That means I will fight as long as is necessary. I'll go as far as it takes. I'll stay in the battle as long as it takes. There's nothing that will stop me from finishing strong. See, this is why a pastor can say, don't gloat over me. Even when I fail, I am determined to finish strong. I'll just get right back up. Come on, I might get knocked down, but I'm going to get back up. Because I'm fathering strong. My wife and my children are following strong. And I'm going to finish strong. You are able to see the heavens at work on your behalf. Come on, this is not about us validating ourselves. You can see the churches that are being planted as a result of this group. You can see works around the world taking root and making an impact for the kingdom. Not just from our philosophy, but it's by what we do. The Lord is giving us solutions today to problems that everyone has. This has been such a joy for us to study and to share with you this morning because it is the very building blocks that have built the lives of LCM. It is the very foundation stones that has kept us not just stable, but kept us increasing from generation to generation. Now, in light of Revelation 12.1, we have a woman that is clothed with the sun. I want you to think about what the sun represents here. Son represents a husband, a father, the men who lead strong. Yeah. The son represents men who father strong. The son represents men who repent strong. Yeah. The son represents men who are capable of displaying a distinct way of life full of deep convictions and produces fruit to the generations. Do I have these kind of men in the house today? Come on, you got to shout it. Do I have these kind of men in the house today? See, fathering strong is not the problem. It is the solution. Not only is this woman clothed with the sun, but she has the moon under her feet. The moon. That heavenly body. (laughs) My wife's not looking at me. Hey. That heavenly body. Designed to rightly reflect the radiant and strong leadership of the sun. Come on, this is what this is a picture of here in Revelation 12. The moon, the one that is designed to follow strong. The one designed to submit and respect. The one designed to have her definition. The, her world defined by her husband's leadership. To define her ordered world by everything that her husband is instructing her. To develop the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit because of her husband's strong leadership. Hmm. Come on, do I have this type of woman in this house today? See, following strong isn't your problem. It is absolutely solution. Let's look at the result when you have these two combined together. A husband that fathers strong. A wife that follows strong. She now has a crown of 12 stars on her head. Right? Not on the sun. On the moon. Around her head. This most plainly speaks to finishing strong by discipling and thereby disciplining our children. When you father strong, when you follow strong, you have the opportunity to be crowned with the radiance that comes from finishing strong. We have the opportunity to receive God's glory 
through our children displaying the way of life inside of us, but even at a greater magnification. This finishing strong allows for the distinct nature of your household to be the distinctive mark that aligns with the direction and the dreams of heaven. See, this finishing strong allows for fathers who are clothed, adorned, and walk in the authority that has been given to them from the heavens. Oh, this finishing strong allows for us to show ourselves to be those who may have been brought into a place of captivity, but that refuse to be defiled and able to welcome any test that arises. See, this kind of finishing strong allows for us to be faithful servants who've taken what our great king has assigned us and produced a tenfold harvest. We've got to father strong. We've got to follow strong and we've got to finish strong. Let's turn to Second Peter 1, 8 and say finish strong when you get there. Come on, say it loud. Finish strong. There we go. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, Come on. they will keep you from being ineffective. And unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me put it in this light. If you father strong, I mean really strong, in ever increasing measure. If you follow strong, ladies, I mean really strong, in an ever increasing measure. If you finish strong, everybody, I mean really finish strong, in ever increasing measure, you will be kept from being ineffective and unproductive in what you know and do by the power of the Holy Ghost. See, church, we're trying to demand of you. We're trying to inspire you. We're trying to move you to possess these qualities and strengths so that you can be kept from being ineffective and unproductive in your parenting. That you can be kept from being ineffective and unproductive as you build your household according to God's right and sovereign plan. Today, we've done our best to try to encourage you in three very distinct areas that every person in the room, that this applies to every single person in the room. Man, you've got to lead strong. You've got to father strong. We're going to get our families up here on the stage in just a second. Man, this is the solution to what's going on in your home. The areas that you are not walking rightly in, the areas that you are not fathering and leading strong are the biggest problems in your home. When you see a fear in your wife, that should notify you that you must father stronger in that area. You must lead stronger in that area. Ladies, you've got to follow strong when you realize those areas of fear. When your world is in chaos on the inside, the solution is not for you to pull off and do something by yourself. It's to press in to the leadership of your husband. Ask him to help you. Ask him to pray over you. Ask him to lead you. Watch that this thing will grow inside of your homes so that we can all finish strong. 17 babies. We have 60 kids under the age of 10 in our church. If you don't fa- father strong, follow strong, and finish strong, we're all going to be in trouble in a couple of years. <laughs> we have serious problems ahead. Or we have the most divine days that this church has ever seen. Amen. See, because we're not going to leave anyone out. I'm going to ask the families who have babies that they're going to dedicate, come up to the stage at this point. We're going to need to stand on the stage and probably on the ground. So half and half, you guys choose. Y'all are godly people. You can figure that out. 
So as we are transitioning to this, we're going to let, we're going to be a family here. We're going to let it be. We're going to relax and just enjoy as our families move to the front. Mask our elders and their wives to come forward as well. Stand with us. Man. Babies, babies, babies. Getting all of our babies up here to the front. We're going to have as many people standing up here as we are sitting in the seats. That's a good thing. I like it. Get it. Get it, Moshe. Start preaching right now, man. You are are a Stevens. Get it together. This is awesome. Amen. We're going to do a a little bit of a a slideshow here just to show you some pictures in case you can't see all the babies. Uh, But I want to tell you something. I I was just, I honestly didn't know this till just now. Um. I don't know if this, this is not the kind of thing that you normally celebrate, but I, I'm doing this for a reason. We have 15 families with 17 children. Uh, we have the Hewitts that are having two children of different ages. We have the Ludvigsons that have twins. So 15 families and 17 kids. I was told that in the last year or so, we've actually had 17 miscarriages in this church. When you've had 17 battles that you feel like you lost, that you did lose, it's not just a feeling, you actually lost it. But we're celebrating 17 lives that are here in our arms. See, church, this is special. What you see before you It's people who just don't quit and you're going to be able to finish strong. And what we're seeing are the generations being raised up. That life is coming from this church, not only in the physical realm, but in the very, very spiritual ways. For you moms who are going to be here the next time, you can enjoy this because we're going to get to celebrate it with you. But what God is doing in this midst, look at this. I'm intentionally getting out of the way of the camera. Look at this. This is, this is much bigger than this church was when we started. Just this right here. The truth is just the number of kids was bigger than the church that we, exactly. before we got here. Yeah, we couldn't fit all these We couldn't even fit. Come on now. This is special. I want you to direct your attention to the screen. We're just going to scroll through them real quickly. We have Ezra Manasseh Aragina born <laughs> September 15th of this year. Man, what a beautiful family. Benjamin Judah Brown, March 12th. Look at that. Look at that pose. Come on now. Look at that. Victorious. Ruth, Ruthie Hope Fowler, born on September 9th of this year. Look at this beautiful one. Ah. Okay, so wait, just hold it right there. We're gonna, I'm going to announce Benaya and stuff. I have to tell you, when I was doing the slideshow, uh, my Anna came in there. And was like on cuteness overload. She was about to explode from all these cute. She's like, ah, I want to eat them all. Yes, don't eat the children. 
We have Benaiah and Caleb. Hewitt, where are you guys? You guys are right over here. I'm trying to find you. Look at that cuteness. Yeah, this, this is the one where Anna almost blew up, was, uh, was the Hewitts. Look how, how cute Caleb and Benaiah are. Amen. Reese and Olivia Ludvigsen, born July 15th. Okay, y'all get ready for double trouble here, people. Look at this. So sweet. Look at Reese, man. Always happy. Shabby. Olivia, love this. Okay, so the newest addition to the church from four days ago, Barzillai David Parsons. There you are. Come on. Peace. Throwing up the peace sign there. <laughs> Vera. Where's Vera? Where are you guys? Amen, right here. This is cuteness incarnate right here. Look at this. Look how beautiful this family is. We're going to have another one at the next one, too. Eden Grace Treyasora right here. Born October 29th. Oh. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Look at that. Hey, by the way, as you freeze on this picture, um, you'll notice that in many of these families, the moms aren't in the picture because they're the ones taking the picture. <laughs> like, oh, all the guys. Where's... Okay, we're going to do some family pictures after. So, amen. Zoe Rueda. Look how cute. Man, there's one with mom. There's a good one with mom. I love it. Sebastian Sosa. Come on. <laughs> Look at that picture on the left. Is that not Marlon made over right there or what? That is awesome. What a fantastic group. Moshe Stevens. Come on, born April 6th. Look at that dude. <laughs> I love it. Look how beautiful this family is, man. We love you guys. Yoshev Stevens, August 4th. I love the picture on the right. That's one of my favorites because that's him most of the time that I see him. Raising some mighty sons as warriors. I love it. Esther Ruth Thomas. Come on. Had her one-year-old birthday party yesterday. Man, beautiful family. Etan, David Treister. Look at this. Man, little Treister right here. Look how pretty this family is. Goodness gracious. That's not even fair. All right, Yara, Eve, Zakari, right over here. <laughs> Man. Church, we have a lot to be thankful for. God, just look at this. Just look at this. What the Lord is doing, what he's blessing us with. We have a few things that we want to charge you with. In light of today's sermon, um... Is there another one? Oh, no, no, this is the right one. Uh, parents, we're, we're asking you some things. We, the reason that we picked Jacob, Daniel, and Eli and Kim today was for very specific reasons. Like Jacob, we're going to ask that you, we're going to demand of you, we're going to charge you that you accept personal responsibility to parent your child and build your household in accordance with the Lord's direction. Never, never trying to do it on your own strength. You don't need anyone to give you things. What you need to do is have divine direction from the Lord for your family, and He will cause you to be blessed. Like Daniel, we're going to charge you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to demand of you that you refuse to allow your family to be defiled with worldly conformity. 
We're going to demand it of you. When we see it, we're going to tell you about it because we actually love you and care about you. You're going to lead them into divine distinction with what the Lord has done. Like Eliakim, we want you to lead with righteous deeds, adorned with truth, walking in the godly authority that is going to bring the glory of your family as tribute before the King of Kings. See, you guys may be like me, may come from unnoble stock. But what this is, is we're going to trust that as we follow the Lord, let's go ahead on to the next slide. I'm going to actually ask, these are the vows that I'm going to have you answer now. Like Mary and Joseph, will you view your parenting as your service to the Lord, families? The reason that we're doing this in front of everyone is that we also have a responsibility, church. When we hear someone making a vow, they're not just making it to me as a pastor. I am representing God. Pastor Matthew is representing God right now. We're saying if you're making this vow, you're actually making it to the Lord. And this is a family And you have a charge that's going on here that you will help them, that you will encourage them in these processes as they do this. Like Manoah, will you ask for and accept instruction from the Lord regarding training your child in righteousness? Like Hannah, will you yield your will for your child's life to God's will, acknowledging and acting as if their whole life belongs to the Lord? Man, what an important part for us to do, church. Families who are here, these children, we speak of them as they are your child. But when you view your parenting as service to the Lord, when you view it that you're going to ask the Lord to help you and instruct you and guide you in godly ways, and when you view their life as not yours, but fully belonging to the Lord as an offering back to Him for what He has given you, It will transform everything about your lives and about what you do. Finally, will you train them through your actions and discipleship to love the Lord with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength? I'd like to ask the entire congregation to stand at this time. We're going to pray over each of these families. We're going to spend a few minutes in prayer together. I'm going to ask the elders to come and begin to lay hands on families. If there's a word that anyone has for a particular family, I'm going to ask that you do it, elders and pastors, on the microphone so that we can get it recorded. But we want you guys to be praying right now for each of them. Come on, church, let's begin to pray. You begin to pray. You begin to pray for each of these families.
it is that the Lord is going to expand their boundary lines this year and impart to them more and more and to grow the kingdom and bring glory to the Lord. Mighty God, as a church, we thank you for these families. God, we thank you for these babies. We thank you for this life. We thank you for this joy that you've given us, Lord. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so good to our families. You are so good to what to hold to your word in our midst, Lord. 
Oh, saints, this is something to be celebrated, something to rejoice. Let's lift up our heads. Let's lift up our hands. Mighty God, we thank you for your promise of prospering us this year. Lord, with our families, with our children, with our marriages, with our resources. Lord, that we're standing right now able to celebrate, able to rejoice in the goodness of who you are and your promises. We thank you for crushing our enemies under our feet and hanging our sons and daughters around our necks as ornaments. Lord, we rejoice in this goodness. We celebrate this goodness. We say that you are a good God. You are a faithful God. And we thank you for continuing that prosperity. Lord, the children to come as well. Lord, may we raise them up in the fear of the Lord. May we raise them through fathering and following and finishing strong. Let the generations continue in this house through these generations, Lord God. And let your name be glorified in our parenting, in our homes, and in our marriages. So saints, we'll stay in this attitude of thankfulness, of rejoicing in what you see right before us. And anticipate that as the days come forward, we're going to continue to see more life come from Life Changing Ministries. We're going to see more marriages established in shalom and producing this kind of fruit. And we look forward to seeing the glory of this house hang on the shoulders of every parent that you see standing here. You got a word aside? Share it with us. Uh, I believe it's for every, every family that's before us, uh, all these uh, families with children. It's, it's very familiar. Um, thank you, Pastor. Psalm 127. It says, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not put to shame. Sorry, they will not be put to shame when they contend with the enemies in the gate. And uh, as we were praying, um, I kind of I got a, a visual of Look at this, this, this row of parents and children and arrows flying on fire. You know, I, I was in the military at Fort Seal, and so was Elder John. This is the, the home of field artillery, and it says, on time, on target was the, was the slogan. And when you shoot uh, a field artillery cannon, it's pointed up. When you shoot an arrow, you're pointing it up. And so these arrows on fire, and you are to launch these children. You don't want to... Bring, draw back the arrow and let it fall to the ground. You don't want to sh- aim a cannon and let the, the artillery explode in, in, in the barrel. That's destruction. You want to a- actually release it and launch it. You have to let them go. You are discipling them. You are drawing them back, and eventually you will let them go, and they will fly, and they will reach their target on time. Amen. 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 Thank you, Asad. That's, that's a good word. So how about this? Let's conclude with a loud, joyful, celebratory praise. Then we'll go enjoy lunch and continue to celebrate God's goodness and prosperity. Amen? Amen. Let's raise a hallelujah. Amen!